0: There are still some companies having more work than they can get to, but others are beginning to see a slowdown. Nobody knows when the next recession will come or to what degree it will negatively affect any particular industry. But even without a recession, it's inevitable that one day we will want more work or customers than we are currently getting at that moment. Today, we will talk about how we can find revenue opportunities that we already possess and control. Running a service business can be hard. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So as you might guess, I've worked for a a number of companies that have some kind of follow-up process, and I've built follow-up processes. And so today we're going to talk about that. There's tons of different um, approaches to this. There's tons of different thoughts on what's important, and I'll just come right out of the gate and tell you the most important thing in my mind is consistency, and I'm going to get to a number of other things that I think is important. But here's what I generally see people um, do that I would say is not the best approach, and that is waiting until they really, really need the revenue, they really, really need the work to begin a developing a process. So then it's a panic mode. It's fear-driven, customers can smell the desperation, and it just generally does not go well. And at that point, some of the things that we will discuss here in a little bit uh, are exposed in that we don't even really have a plan. We don't really know what we're trying to do. We're just trying to get money. And that just doesn't um, come across very well. So uh, I've also worked at companies uh, that had no particular plan and no thoughts even on follow-up. And I get it. Like, you know, you go out and, and leave an estimate or you somebody calls you and it expresses interest and, and then they just kind of go away and um, maybe they just weren't in a good fit. I, I get it, but there's going to come a point for any company that's growing that we're going to want to build in some kind of follow-up process because even if the company is growing and your marketing is working pretty well and you're in a you know recession resist, resistant industry, let's say even, there's many times where you just need you need to be able to draw upon that. And it's silly to, to pay for the marketing and not get the most you can out of it. Like not to get the most ROI you can out of it, I think. So anyhow, um, the first thing is I would recommend just tracking everything. Track every lead, every sale, every missed opportunity. So I, say, I shouldn't say everything. Track every lead, every sale, every missed opportunity for sure. Where the lead came from, what it was for. Did we get the sale? If not. You know, that's a, that's a missed opportunity and begin defining some kind of metrics that indicate what is quote unquote normal for us. So this episode is really not about that, but if you aren't doing those things, fixing that is probably a lower hanging fruit than what I'm going to talk about today. So before you spend your time following up on sales that have not yet closed, I would say if you don't have a tracking mechanism to understand for every thousand dollars or whatever we spend on marketing, we should get X number of leads for every number of leads we get, we should get X number of estimates or opportunities or whatever for every number of estimates we get, we should get X number of sales. If you don't have some kind of idea what that looks like, then that might be a better spend your time than, than doing the follow-up stuff because learning where your weaknesses are there might be more beneficial and faster. So uh, that's a whole other episode though. We're not getting that today. Uh, but if you don't have those things, I would start there for sure. So, um, assuming we've done a reasonable job of of, of establishing or, or building some kind of tracking system or even buying a tracking system to measure our performance from marketing, onboarding, you know, whatever that looks like in your industry for your for your customers, uh, to the first call or estimate, you know, in sale, now what? All right, so let's look at what we want this to end at the, what we want this to look like at the end first. So, and you'll see why why I'm doing it this way here in a couple minutes. But at the end of this thing, after I have this system up and running, I don't want to be the owner of it. I don't want to be the chief follow upper. That's not what I want my role to be in my in my company. I don't want to have to spend um, an inordinate number number of hours making this happen. I want to build a system that kind of runs on autopilot. And it may take me a few months, maybe even several months, maybe even a year to get a system built. And I might have to build that. I might have to be the one who puts this thing in place and does the research and, and educational and development stuff that we're going to talk about here. But um, at some point, I need to be able to turn this over to somebody else. I, should, I, I want to get, once this thing is kind of up and running, I want to get some kind of report, preferably uh, data-driven With a verbal briefing of some sort. So what works best for me, and this may not work for you, but what what works best for me is some kind of email I would get on a Friday or Monday or Tuesday or whatever day. And I scheduled 10 or 15 minute briefing with whoever, whatever employee owned this process where they would just go through it with me. And this was part of my weekly routine. Um, You know, we had meetings on our accounts receivable and we had meetings on a variety of other things, but part of my weekly routine was, um, just going over this report. Here's how many follow-up calls we had to make. Here's how many we made. Here's how many we made contact with. The ones we made contact with. Here's the ones that we think are are still promising. Here are the ones where they're dead. The leads are dead. Um, That kind of briefing is what I like because I want to see the body language of the person who is doing the briefing. I want to see how their uh, body language is when they're recalling these conversations. I want to know when they're kind of just mailing it in. Honestly, I want to know when they really think that there's real opportunity here. I want to know when they're going through the motions. I want to know all those things. So that's why I like the weekly briefing. If I just get an email, I don't get any of that stuff. They could be completely the employee in the company who owns this process could, could be completely not engaged. And I would never know if I didn't have some kind of verbal briefing. So that's why I like that part. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is who owns this thing might be in, uh, might change who owns this process. So that they the Description I just gave you of this weekly briefing was probably at an entry level not entry level uh, but yeah maybe an entry level like dispatcher in my company um, been with the company a few years so though it was not a manager though it was not a lead um, some in some cases it was not always it just kind of depended on who whose personality was best at this and there is a personality that works best for this mine for example would not be great at this I'm not as much as a people person as I would want somebody to be who does this I you know I want the outgoing um, very likable, very kind. Those are the kind of people I would want to do this. So uh, I can do it, but again, it's not, it's not best for me. My point is, though, it may change. There might be times where you have a lead do it or a manager do it. And there might be times where you have a, that, that dispatcher or office person do it. There might be times where you have an operations person do it. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be any one particular person. It can change. So let's talk about that for a minute, though. If you have a non-technical person, like in the office, you know, let's say you have a, an HVAC company and you have an office person, a dispatcher doing this work who has no significant experience doing the thing that makes you money, i.e. replacing HVAC systems in this case. If they're making those calls in the beginning, a lot of the learning opportunities we get are wasted. And the learning opportunities are, are a tremendous part of, of building this follow-up process. What we learn about where we fail is absolutely astonishing and, and so beneficial. But if we have a non-technical person take the ball and run with us in the beginning, we lose almost all that. And here's why: Let's say you have your, you know, your eighteen dollar an hour dispatcher making these calls right out of the gate, and they come back and they've made a hundred calls after a month or whatever, and they come back and, and they tell you, "Hey, well, out of the hundred calls, here's what I found. You know, a lot of times customers were frustrated because they didn't get the estimate on time." And then we go to the manager, the you know, the operations manager or the supervisor or whatever who's in charge of the making sure that stuff happens. And we say, hey, here's the feedback we're getting from the customers. That manager or supervisor is going to say, well, you guys don't understand. Like it's, you know, you must be misunderstanding. Like whatever that is, that conversation, it would be rare for that person to go, yep, I completely own that. We're completely making a mistake there. I got to fix that. That would be exceedingly rare. Not saying it can't happen, just saying that it would be rare. So it might make sense in the beginning to have that person, that operations person, that supervisor, that manager, make those follow-up calls. Now, it may not. They might have a, a personality that would not make sense, and you would know that, of course, better than me. But if it can't be them, it can't also be the the frontline dispatcher. It may have to be me. It may have to be the business owner for a while until we get that credibility established. Uh, we want we want to, again, look at this as a learning opportunity as much as a revenue-gathering opportunity. So I want to build a system that I can delegate to a person who has intermittent free time, like a dispatcher or the clerical role. But first, I must legitimize the information we are gathering. So whether, again, that's me or an operations supervisor, manager, some person who understands the technical part that we do, so the information we are gathering is legitimized. Or if you have a lead dispatcher or a lead clerical person who has a ton of credibility where people would not question that they're getting it wrong, that's fine too. But we can not have a situation where we have somebody who's been at the company for 90 days or less who doesn't understand the industry making these calls in the beginning because people are just going to dismiss the, the really helpful information customers are going to tell them. That's not going to be super flattering to the company. So answers I want in this process, not necessarily questions I will ask. You'll, 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 you'll know what questions make sense for your company and, and what you do. But here's kind of the answers I want when I'm making these follow-up calls. Have you had this work done? Did somebody else already get the sale? That's really the, the first part of it. And, and the answer to that, yes, is going to go down one path. No, it is going to go down a completely different path. So the very first question that I want answered, again, not the very first thing I would say necessarily on the call, not the very, and I wouldn't phrase it this abruptly, but we're, you know, it's a short podcast. So I'm not going to deliver like flowery language for all these things. But the answers I want are, this may mayor get to work? Is the job already done? So, I mean, is this, is this a, am I on an uh, educational path here or am I on a path of trying to, to get the sale? Those are not the same paths for me. So if the answer is yes, somebody else has already done the work. Now I'm on just a mission on, on how to improve. Essentially, I want to know, why did you say no to us and yes to them? <laughs> That's the crux of what I want to know. And then, and the answers, by the way, are not going to be flattering. Like they said no to us, they said yes to the company. By nature, those the, the, the answers they give us about what we did wrong are not going to be awesome. They're going to be hard to hear in some cases. Um, I want to learn what could we have done, if anything, to earn your business. What what you know? What do you, Mr. and Mrs. Customer that we lost, think that we could do to improve our company and our service from their perspective? Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with every single thing they say. If they say, well, it was st- strictly a pricing, I might not want to compete on price. That's okay. And that might be validation that they made the right choice because we, we don't want to be the low price provider. But they might also say things like, I just didn't get a good feeling from your guy that came out. Hmm. Or, the, you know, like, we called you guys out and you were late. And you said you get, we get the estimate to us on Tuesday by noon and we got Thursday by five and, um, you know, it's just the way it goes. We might hear things like that, but on the price thing, sometimes they will say the price was too high just because they don't want to hurt your feelings. And they don't want to say that thing about, well, Johnny said he'd be here at nine and he showed up at 10 30 and that kind of irritated us. And then, uh, you know, he left a little bit of a mess and he didn't you know wear floor protectors and he trapped, trapped, tra- uh, tracked some mud into our house. And, you know, we got to clean up. It's no big deal, but they might not want to say that. Oh, and by the way, he said he gets the estimate in in the next morning and we didn't get it for like two days. We had to call and ask for it. They're not likely to do that. They might just say the price was too high. So sometimes we have to hear the price is too high and do a little bit of investigation there. Was the price really too high or is it just the, the easy thing for them to say? So you can ask questions like, well, how much too high was it? What what um what value did they offer that we didn't um get it's or was it dollars you know I'm sorry apples to apples was there an estimate apples to apples with ours you know because sometimes the dollar amount is different but the scope of work is different also so in in asking those kinds of uh, more specific questions about the price oftentimes you'll be able to flush out the real answer you know was this so it, you know their, their price was let's just say a thousand dollars less than ours can you just tell me, what the, was the scope of work exactly the same, or, or was there a little bit of difference there? And, and the hassle of explaining that is greater than the hassle of saying, listen, your guy just gave me the creeps. I didn't like him. So the, <laughs> it might just cut you know cut to the quick and, and tell you that stuff there. So anyhow, essentially, those are the things I want to find out. This is not the time for me to, to be defensive. The sale's already lost. This is where I can learn from somebody who has nothing to gain by being dishonest with me. This customer that, that we did not get has really nothing to gain by being dishonest. Now they, that's not to say they won't be a jerk. Sometimes you know, five or ten percent of them will be. There's no question. I'm not interested in, in building processes around those five or ten percent. I'm interested in building processes around the eighty to ninety percent. The majority of people, once they have their problem solved, and you're, you just come across as like, "Hey, I'm just a business owner trying to make my business better. Can you please just help me do that?" By and large, people are going to help you do that. People want you to be successful, whether they buy from you or not. So, this is a time to learn, not a time to be defensive. So what I would not do, and then of course you know, this is the path if they've already had the work done. If if the if they've not had the, the work done, then the path is a little bit different, right? Um, I want to find out what we can do to earn the business, right? I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on that though because you know what those questions should be like, you know, again. But there's a couple things I'll I'll talk about here specifically, but but generally we're trying to we're trying to get the business. We want to. We want, this is your sales process, so just follow your sales process. So, a couple of things I would not do is open the call though, offering a discount. They might be ready to say yes. Maybe they just needed a couple of weeks to think about it. Maybe it was a big decision. Maybe there's something else that's kind of was in the way that they had to work around. Maybe they had to transfer twenty thousand dollars from their retirement account. Who knows? But what I wouldn't do is, you know, make the phone call and the first thing I say is, "Hey, we're offering thousand dollars off for all customers who had an estimate last month." A that reduces the credibility of the pricing we gave and B they might be ready to say yes without the thousand dollar discount. So I would not do that. Um, I would also not assume this is strictly a process of finding the quote unquote right dollar amount. They often are considering more than money. So if you, hopefully your sales process is incorporates more than just dollars and cents. This is not a necessarily just a dollars and cents and finding the right dollar amount for the package you offered conversation. In some cases it is, but not always. We got to find out what the, real, what the real holdup is, though. So, if we're just focused on money and money is not their issue, then we're going to be just wasting our time. All right. Mm-hmm. Also, do not approach this call as a chore. The, it's better to not make these calls than it is to, to call and just be robotic and going through the motions. Whoever makes calls, it doesn't matter who makes calls. If it's going to be robotic and going through the motions, and this is just a, a, a thing I have to get off my list of things to do, it's better to not make the calls, in my opinion. Now you might be giving up the revenue, but the, but the feeling you give that customer might be the last feeling they ever have about your company. And Holy smokes, if it's that robotic, you know, I just got to get this done. So my boss doesn't kick my butt later on. That is not the last impression I want to leave with anybody. So it's gotta be like as much as we can. Again, these are not not fun calls and stuff, but we got to have enthusiasm, enthusiasm contagious. Hey, we can't wait to take care of you on this thing. What do we got to do to get going? You know, like that, that's basically what we're trying to figure out. What's uh What's the criteria we're using to make decisions? And how, we can, how can we help you overcome that? Let, let's move forward. Like this, this should be exciting, you know, fun. So um, ideally, and I know it's easy for me to say sitting here. Uh, okay. What we, I do want to do though, again, is ascertain what's the criteria they use to make decisions. We, we can't assume it's just money. Sometimes it is. We can't assume it's just that though. There are other times or other, oftentimes other factors in play. So here's some answers I want. Again, not necessarily questions I would ask, but is there anything that they don't have clarity on? People will not step into uncertainty. This is critical for our employees to understand this, especially critical in a follow-up call. If they just don't get a piece of it, they're not going to do anything. They won't want to say buy from somebody else. They'll just stay stuck. And they don't have clarity, especially if we're talking about a ten dollars or fifteen dollars or $20,000 job. They're just going to stay there until until some epiphany happens. And when they have that epiphany, boom, they're done. They're, they're moving on. If there's something they don't have clarity on, this is a perfect time for me to figure that out. Do they, do they think that um, we are offering a solution that will solve their problem? And that's kind of a, a yes or no answer I want. Again, that's not the question I would ask. But the, the answer I want is, do they think the solution we provided is going to solve their problem? If the answer is no or I'm not sure, the money doesn't matter. If the follow-up doesn't matter. They want to know, is this going to solve my problem? If, that is, if, that, if the answer is maybe or I'm not sure, then that is the conversation we should be having. So to that end, I might be asking them, what other kinds of solutions are they considering? Just because I, my company came out, again, I'll use my hypothetical HVAC company, just because I came out and offered a solution doesn't mean they aren't getting a different solution from a different provider, not just a like-for-like like competitive bid from somebody else. They might be getting an entirely different solution, in which case they could be going, now what do I do? Company A, my company, came out and said, for $12,000, we'll fix it this way. Company B comes out and says, for $9,700, we'll fix it, but a completely different way we're going to fix it. Well, what are they supposed to do then? They're getting two different answers from competent people. So one of the questions I would be asking is, what other solutions are they considering, not just other providers? Uh, next thing I want to get the answer to, again, not a question I would ask, but the answer I want is, do they feel like they're getting greater value than the price we're asking for? If, the, if we're not sure on that, then then that's a conversation we should be having. If they don't feel like they're getting more than they bargained for, more than they're paying for, then that's an issue. So I would rather offer more than charge less. But I understand that's not always uh, possible. Uh, all right. So what other factors, again, the other thing I want to figure out is what other factors are in play here that we haven't discussed or I might not even be aware of? What are the things that they're considering that we didn't address in our, in our estimate proposal um, or our sales process when you're on site? What are the factors at play here that we haven't discussed? Now, this is where it's great in my experience to have a female person do these follow-up calls because they will approach things a little bit differently than the male will. If the male, if a male was who was out, like again, my HVAC system um, mm-hmm. example, predominantly that's going to be a man going out to give the estimate. It'd be great to have a female to make the follow-up calls in. They're just, It's just a different perspective, different kind of questions, and we learn a lot about um, how what the customers' real criteria are? What are the things that we didn't get in the call? And man, we can do so much to learn about where we're not communicating well when we have that other per, uh, perspective. So, and really, what's what's the real holdup? That's really the crux of what the whole thing is. What what are the criteria you're making decisions on? What's the real holdup? Either they don't trust the solution, they don't trust the provider, or they don't think it's a fair, a valuable exchange for the dollars that they're asking. Or we're asking for. They don't think there's enough value provided for the dollars we're asking for, or they don't trust the solution or they don't trust your provider. It kind of comes down to those few things. So another thing on these calls, keep them short, couple minutes tops. We do not want to be talking their leg off for 12 minutes on these calls. Like these are, you know, not so short that we're again, just checking the box, but you know, three to five minutes longer than that, we're, we're really stretching We're really, really um, becoming, uh, we're jeopardizing ourselves of becoming a hassle. We don't want to again, I don't want to leave that that impression. We want to leave the door open to follow up again. Literally, I want to ask, hey, it's okay if I don't hear from you back in a couple weeks. It's okay if I follow up with you again. If they say no, then I can find out why. And like maybe they've been lying to me for the last two minutes. I can just figure out that they already had the work done. They just didn't want to say so. (laughs) You never know. So I want to leave the door open and specifically ask some kind of version of if we don't hear back from you in a couple weeks, is it okay? Or when's a good time for me to follow up? That's maybe a better way to say it. That way we're not saying if we don't hear from you, it's just like, hey, when's a good time for me to follow up with you again? And they might, but again, leave the door, door open for that. And I want to have specific scripted questions that we will ask every time. So again, I'm not doing that here today on this episode, this podcast, but you want to have very specific questions you open with. And then of course, trust your people to have good intuition and make good follow-up questions. But we want to have very specific questions. We can measure how many times the answer to this is yes or no. How many times is it, you know, this is yes or no. How many times is the answer, yes, I've had the work done that is a fantastic metric to have. We left a hundred estimates that we followed up on this month in the month of let's say February. And we made hundred phone calls and 57 of them said they already had the work done. 43 didn't. That's a fantastic metric for me to know moving forward. If that becomes the norm that listen, 43% of the time we still have, we still have an opportunity here. That's a fantastic thing for me to learn. So all these questions I want to ask, I want to have very specific questions, maybe three to five questions we will ask and then trust my people to make intuitive, on-the-fly follow-up questions, but I want to have the basic ones scripted out. We want to develop a process on how we will determine which opportunities will be followed up on. So over X number of dollars, over X number of days, you know, you'll develop your own process on that. But but, but those are kind of the two main ones. I'm not following up on $300 estimates. I am following up on $10,000 estimates. And I'm not following up things on things that are day old, but I'm not waiting a year either. You know, I... You'll know the sweet spot for your stuff. You know, I I would, you know, 30 days probably be a place I would start, but you'll know better than me. Uh, Keep the activity and reporting window to two weeks or less over that time or over that period of time. So if it's more than every two weeks, we have this conversation with whoever's doing this. If I have this kind of briefing that I described, if it's more than two weeks, consistency gets really, really hard. And it also demonstrates I don't really see this as a really productive or, or necessary activity. So weekly is ideal for me. But if you want to do it twice a month or every two weeks, I, I can get behind that. More than that, though, I really don't. I think the the performance of the program will go down significantly if it's over two weeks. So, uh, all right. If you haven't had a chance yet um, or haven't been in a while, go check out my website, serviceindustrysuccess.com. Uh, there's a whole new section there called Success Goodies. where uh, There's like video, a bunch of video shorts now that I've been, I've been adding. And uh, a bunch of other free stuff for you. So go to serviceindustrysuccess.com and click on the big blue button at the top that says uh, get my free goodies here or success goodies here or something like that. Go check that out if you haven't been there in a while. All right. So the first thing we want to do as far as our follow-up program is create a structured regimented follow-up program that can run on autopilot within a few months or several months. So I might have to create this thing. I might have to work with somebody else to get it done. But I need to delegate this to somebody relatively quickly within uh, several months at the most. I want to build a system I can delegate to a person who has intermittent free time: dispatcher, other clerical role, uh, supervisor in the field. You know, intermittent free time is great for this. Hey, I have ten minutes; I can make a couple calls. That's perfect for this. We don't want to. We don't want somebody to carve out two hours because they might, you know, the two hours they they're carving out might not coincide with the customer's schedule. Like if they keep calling at nine o'clock every day, people are often at work. You might have to call it five o'clock at night sometimes, or three three in the afternoon. You'll figure out a, a different routine. You know, time. Windows, it makes sense. You might do some calls at nine, some at at one, and others at six, let's say, uh, PM. And you might find, hey, if I couldn't reach them at nine, I'll try again at six. You know, you'll you'll figure out a, a, a time thing, but it's got to be regimented. As far as somebody has to own this thing, somebody has to commit to. I own this. I will be the one who gets this done, and I'll do it whenever I have time. But here's how many calls I'm going to have in this two week period or one week period, and I will make sure they all get done. Somebody has to have that level of ownership. All right, and questions I want answered, not necessarily questions I will ask. If you had the work done? Uh, if so, why you know, why did you say no to us and yes to them? What could we have done to earn your business? What do you think we can do to improve our company? That's, that's it. Again, I can't be defensive here. This is where I can learn so much about from the customer's perspective, where we are dropping the ball as a company. If they haven't had the work done, are you ready to move forward now? Uh, if not, what, what criteria are you using to make decisions? And what do we have to do to to get you in a place where you're ready to say yes? Like that's, that's essentially what we're doing. So I wouldn't open the call offering a discount. I wouldn't assume this is strictly a dollars and cents thing, and I wouldn't approach this as a chore for sure. What I would do is ascertain the criteria they're using to make decisions. and, And I would want answers to these other questions also, which is, is there anything they don't have clarity on? Do they think the solution we're offering solves their problem? What other kinds of solutions are they considering? Do they think we offered greater value than the price we asked for? And what other factors are in play here that we wouldn't know about or haven't discussed? Really, essentially, I'm just trying to identify: is it one of these three things? Three things: they don't trust the provider us, they don't trust the solution, or they don't they don't think it's a, a fair value exchange. The money they're at, we're asking for it is in excess of the value they're getting. I want to keep it short, three to five minutes tops, and leave it open to follow up again, and develop specific scripted questions we will ask every time as the framework. Three to five questions we'll ask every single time and leave to our, our employees' intuition and ability to follow up and, and you know the right follow-up questions once those are answered. We want to develop key questions we can develop KPIs around. And a process we want to develop for determining which opportunities will be followed up on. Again, generally, it's over X number of dollars, over X number of days. And we want to keep the reporting window to two weeks or less. Over that, consistency gets really hard. I like weekly. Weekly is a great metronome for me. It's a great rhythm. I like that. But every two weeks be okay. More than that, I would not be comfortable with that. So, all right. uh, Don't forget to go to serviceindustrysuccess.com. Check out the new success goodies there if you haven't been to that website in a while. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, pretty pleased with Sugar on Top. Please subscribe. takes like 30 seconds to do that. Maybe less. You know, time yourself. Make a game out of it. Uh, Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, please share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. Um, our, Our goal here is just to help as many people as possible. Things like this. Like, who's talking to people about how to develop follow-up programs in HVAC companies. This is kind of stuff we want to help with. So uh, share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner, help make their life easier. You never know what little nugget of information might be the difference between them having a, a great week and continuing to struggle. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, give us a rating review. Sure. Appreciate that. So that's it for this week and I'll see you all next week.